Hello and welcome to another episode of Cowboys Takeover. This is our fantasy football special, episode two. Aaron James here with you. And on today's episode, we'll be going over picks 60 through 100, which are based on ESPN's 10-team mock draft. A link to the mock draft was posted to our Facebook, so if you'd like to follow along, check out that link on our Facebook post. Jason Kent had something come up today, so... He will not be joining us for this uh, special episode, but we still have our special guest, Rob Gehring, back with us. So let me bring him in. Rob, how you feeling today? Great. Terrific. I got my first draft in less than a week, so life is good, man. I'm ready to go. Awesome. Awesome. So you know, kind of like we mentioned last week, fantasy football can still be a moving target up until week one. Uh, so you got to be weary of all that and and we're going to comment, make those comments throughout today's episode and give some updates. But before we do, Rob, I have a brain teaser for you to get the juices flowing a little bit. So there are, let's see here, there are three teams that have more, that have produced more Hall of Famers than the Dallas Cowboys and the Commanders. Can you name one of those three teams or possibly do you think you can get them all three? Okay. So you're telling me that the Cowboys and commanders are four and five on this list. And I am, am I, I'm guessing the top three. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I have to think that the green Bay Packers are in there. Yes. Yes. Okay. Very good. <laughs> um, I think the next one, again, because they had such good teams in the 70s, would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. They Top have three. Nope. They have two fewer than the Cowboys oh, and Commanders. Dang. Okay. All right. Well, it's not my beloved birds. We know that. Um, you know what, then? We're going to go with another NFC East team and go with those New York football giants. Okay. Good guess. They actually – they have the same amount as the Dallas Cowboys. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay. So the the other two teams we were looking for. Wait, were... I need one more guess. I need one more guess. One more guess. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. All, All right. right. It's three strikes and you're out, right? Three strikes and you're out. <laughs> it's a mixed analogy, but it's okay. Um the San Francisco 49ers, another story franchise. No. Oh my goodness gracious. Yep. Oh, so right, give it to me. The Niners have 29, Steelers 30. And I made a mistake. It's Giants, Cowboys, Commanders are tied for 32 players each. You got then the Los Angeles Rams have 33 players in the Hall of Fame. Followed with along with tied with Green Bay Packers at 33. Okay. And then Chicago Bears. Oh, yeah. Number okay. one. Right. Okay. The Bears make a lot of sense to me. I think that I think that the Rams threw me off there. Yeah, which LA, St. Louis, and St. and LA again. That's that many. Mm-hmm. Golly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess when Kurt got in, and I think Tory got in, Isaac Bruce should probably be in. Yeah. Okay. Marshall Falk counts, I think, is probably a Ram. Okay. I'm yeah. So when I when I thought of this, actually one thing came to mind, and I want to ask you the question, and it has to be a spitfire answer. Okay. The greatest show on turf. Yes. You know that team, the St. Louis Rams. That's right. Would would they have beaten the almost perfect 
eighteen and zero Patriots in the suit in a Super Bowl. Well, they didn't beat them in the the following year after they won one, but um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. I think that okay. I think that the almost perfect Patriots were probably in the top ten, maybe the top five teams of all time, and I and I think that. They lost to a good Giants team, but if they play 10 times, I think the Patriots win that game seven times, seven and a half times. Okay. Maybe eight. Yeah. So very good question. I, I love the generational questions. In <laughs> NFL films, they used to do a whole series where they would cut a game. Um, I forget what it was called, but they would cut a game where it would be like the 70 Steelers against the the 90s Cowboys. And they would use cutaways and things like that to tell the story of a game. And they would, you know, they, they rotoscope out players and they, they really made it look like it was real. It was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's go ahead and dive right in. So round six, here we go. I'm going to name off the picks going from 60 to 51, starting at 60, Christian Watson, wide receiver, green Bay, Alvin Kamara, Saints at 59, Justin Herbert, QB7 off the list at 58, Justin Fields, DJ Moore, Kenneth Walker III, Joe Burrow, Terry McLaren, Deontay Johnson, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh wide receiver, and at 51, DeAndre Hopkins, Tennessee Titans wide receiver 22. What are some takeaways of this group you have and round six, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I think Nuke is <clears throat> Nuke is what your personal taste is, how risk averse you are. Um, yeah. I think he could be a third round receiver. I think he's still got a lot of that first, second, third round receiver in him. I know in, in my dynasty league, um, dynasty-ish league, uh, I'm keeping him in the third round. Um I just think that there he just has a lot of good years left in him. Um, I mean, look, I think I think Joe Burrow is QB five is probably about right. Um, you know, I think as we mentioned in the last episode, I am not a Lamar guy, so I would actually have him four. Um, but I think for a quarterback of either's caliber, this is probably right in range, uh, especially if you were in a four point quarterback passing touchdown league versus a six point league. Um I mean, look, I am a Justin Fields believer. I owned him mm-hmm. last year in several leagues. I watched a lot of Bears games as a fan. Um, I am very much a Justin Fields believer. What I'm not a believer in is Alvin Kamara. I think that – I just think that – I think the sun might be setting on him. Um, tremendous back, made a huge impact on the league just in terms of this generation of running back and what skill sets they have. I think he, he had – you know, a, a, an effect on the trajectory of the game for sure. But even at running back 23, and, you know, we'll get to this in a little bit. I, the rookie they drafted, I think, is going to be really good. I, I just don't know if I'm feeling that one. So those are my main takeaways from round six. Um, I do have one more, but I'll save it for after you go. Okay. Well, uh, J- Jason sent texted me his bust. So his bust is DeAndre Hopkins. At 51, he mm-hmm. thinks that that's too rich, and he thinks he's in his latter part, latter years, and not going to be able to stay healthy, basically. So that's Jason's bus. I I don't know if it's personal for him if if he had him last year, 
or the year before? What do you got? Well, I'm going to throw it back right at you. Um, my question to you is, before you give your take here on Nuke, is how much does quarterback play come into account? I mean, because I think mm -hmm. that is a legitimate knock on him. Uh, I still think Ryan Tannehill can be a productive quarterback in this league. I think they drafted a guy last year. They drafted a guy this year that they hope will be the man, but they're still young. So my question to you is, how much is Nuke's performance going to be affected by the guy thrown on the wall? It's going to be a major part. And not only that, I mentioned last time, Tennessee Titans 32nd ranked offensive line, which is why I don't believe Derrick Henry is a top 10 pick this year. And I, I think that just correlates with the wide receiver production that we can expect. And it's, it's unfortunate. I think Vrabel is a heck of a coach. He always has his team outperforming the talent that they have year after year. And, you know, he, if, if they have a subpar year, he's probably going to get fired. But I, I'd like to think he's going to land a job. He can land a job pretty quickly. I think listen, I, I totally agree with you. Sorry, tech issue there. That's my fault. First time on Zoom. Um, I, uh, I, I think he's a terrific coach. I think players love him. I think he's got a real feel for the game. I think he's definitely one of those coaches where, look, if this first job doesn't go great or doesn't end well it's not going to be on him so mm. much yeah that's and, fair and i think he'll get another opportunity but yeah they got to figure out their quarterback situation real quick or everybody's going to be hurting there so for me i have dj moore uh, dj moore on this list is wide receiver 25 i have high expectations for him this coming year a he's he's finally with a quarterback, you know, he's coming from the Carolina Panthers, which we had, you and I had trouble thinking of who their quarterback was before we started uh, recording this episode. So he's finally has a legitimate quarterback that's going to be able to extend plays. And I think DJ Moore is a potential top 15 in production this coming year. I am on the fence now he he was qb now so justin fields was qb6 herbert at qb7 um i don't know if i give fields that much confidence if they're both on the board i'm probably going or i am going with herbert uh first um over fields that's that's just me and i'm right there with you with alvin Kamara. uh he hasn't had a single season in his career of a thousand rushing yards would you have believed that if I given no. you that stat, right? You no. you no. Uh, the sad thing for thousand the, combined though, for sure. But oh yeah, multi multi purpose, yes. But <laughs> rushing, yeah. no. And uh, he has two years remaining on his contract, and the the dead cap, the cap hit, and the dead cap hit. I looked them both up. They're not attractive. They're like seventeen, eighteen million dollars. The Saints are in a very tough position with Alvin Kamara because I, and the reason why I pulled that up is when someone's going into a contract year, even, even if they're already paid, look at Zeke Elliott. He, if he would have had RB one type of production, they probably keep him. And we, and us fans are probably like, no, no, no. Like he still has his legs and you know, X, Y, Z. But with Alvin Kamara, you, you know, you look at what, what the stats show, that's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think they end up 
having to keep him throughout the life of the contract. Uh, but that's that's what I got there for round six. Yeah, I mean, look, you 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 kind of stole my thunder on the on the sleeper pick here. So I've already identified a bonus <laughs> sleeper that I'll give the people, but I'm with you on DJ Moore. <clears throat> I think you are going from look, you can say Justin Fields is QB seven instead of QB six. Fine. You're going from QB 50 last year in, mm-hmm. in Sam Darnold, you know, Baker Mayfield, PJ Walker. I mean, the yep. his quarterback situation just got phenomenally better. He's going to be very motivated. Uh, you know, I just I really think that that team is going to play really well this year. I really do like the Bears and a lot of their weapons. And so I do think that you're right about DJ Moore. I mean, you know, you look at this list and, and a lot of times it's like, you know, OK, well, who would you replace? Well, you know, I'm looking at am I sure DK Metcalf's going to have a great year in round? You know, he's a round three guy at at, mm-hmm. at receiver 12. Am I sure T Higgins is going to be that guy? You know, you can look at people like Calvin Ridley. I mean, he's 18th on this list. You know, Calvin Ridley hasn't played football in a year. Look, I love him. I, I'm, I think he's going to be that kind of value. But I think to automatically tag him as that is, isn't right. So, yeah, I'm with you on that 100%. I, I really like DJ Moore this year. And I, and I think that if they could just find a running game, that Bears offense is going to be really dynamic. Absolutely. And for the record, DJ Moore is not my sleeper. Just saying. Just got it. All right. All right. So those. Yeah. Kick us off, Rob, for round seven. Okay, great. Um, So at number 70, we have George Kittle, the people's champion. Um, He is tight end number six, I think, at this point. That's right. Probably about right for him. Um, Kyle Pitts is right in front of him at 69, tight end five. Um, again, there are, there are people who are very divided on Kyle, um, Tyler Lockett at 68, uh, Mike Williams at 67, um, Drake London at 66, Isaiah Pacheco, Kansas City running back at 65, um, hitting our number 25, top 25 running backs is James Cook in Buffalo. I think that Buffalo running back situation is fascinating. Um, got Cam Akers at 63. Marquise Brown at 62 and Mike Evans at 61. And um, I'm going to tell you before you go ahead that I have both, both my bust and my new bonus sleeper are in this round. So you take it away there, sir. Okay. Well, I'm going to start off the bat with my bust. Um, And it is a little bit personal. He just has not produced for me in the last two years that I picked him up. And he's been disappointing. And that is Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. uh, For one one reason or another, I just feel like the the Falcons haven't figured out a way to get him the ball. Um, He's a pretty slimmer guy for the the tight end position. I'm trying to pull up his stats as we speak. I thought I had it handy, but he was – Oh, here we go. He was number 33 in production uh, last year. Now, he only played 10 games, but even in those 10 games, he really wasn't all that productive. We talked about the Falcons prior- going to be prioritizing uh, Bijan Robinson and their QB Riddler from the, the small 
sample size that I've gotten seen of him, the guy likes to run and he he's not going to stay in the pocket very long. So I I feel like that's gonna that's gonna play a role and and cause for some production uh, miscues in the receiving core uh, for the Falcons. So that's that's my take there. Um, for Mike Evans, you know uh, the quarterback situation in Tampa is not all that great. It might be the first time. Looks like it is going to be the first time where Mike Evans is not going to reach a thousand yards in his career. Um, now, the other thing I would also say is Cam Akers seems to have a good amount of momentum around him going into this season. There's been a lot of back and forth with his relationship with McVay, but the past three games of, of 2022, whenever he carries the ball 19 or more times, he's averaging over five yards a carry. And he, he seems to be the, the solid guy with going into this season so if i'm looking if i'm in a situation where i'm in a potential rb3 um i i might take a hard look at cam makers uh that's that's just me yeah i mean i've got cam Akers stock in two different fantasy leagues so i'm right there with you um he was a frustrating guy to own last year because of the way he started the year, but he definitely yep. seems to have the confidence of the of the staff now. There's no Daryl Henderson there. They don't have a lot of depth at that position. I just think it's his his job, and 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 he has everything in front of him. So I'm I'm with you there. Um, my my bust my bust for the back half of the of the uh, draft here. Um, is someone you mentioned, but I'm going to put him and the next guy together because I think they're both going to be bust. Double bust alert. (laughs) And that is number 61, Mike Evans, and number 62, Marquise Brown. I think that the quarterback situation in Tampa is atrocious. I think that Mike is a fantastic player, and I've worked with him a bunch of times off the field. He's a great guy, but I think he is going to get really frustrated really quickly. It's hard to downshift from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield. Uh, and I just, you know, he was a guy, again, you, it's personal. Um, I had him in a couple of leagues for multiple years and it feels like every time I started him, he sucked. And every time I sat him, he was great. So um, I just, I've, I've washed my hands of, of Mike Evans stock. Uh, and I think Marquise Brown's in that same boat. Uh, I think Marquise Brown is a poor man's Deshaun Jackson from back in the day. And I just really don't think in today's NFL with his inability to to separate the in the width of the field, right? We know he can separate length of the field. He can outrun anybody. But getting separation when he has to move laterally for him um, has definitely been a problem in the past. And I just think that he is not going to be the player um, that he's rated as here. There are several guys that we're going to talk about here uh, soon. Uh, I have a little bit of a rookie bias, so a little bit of recency bias. But I just think that there are better players there. And my my sleeper of the draft is also in this round. Your bonus sleeper, since you kind of stole DJ more for me, <laughs> is Isaiah Pacheco. Okay. I really like this kid. I think he has all the assets. I think we just talked about Alvin Kamara and how he changed the game. I don't know what the size weight comparisons are between them but they remind me of each other the way they run. And I really think that 
Isaiah is going to have an absolute breakout year this year. I think Andy knows how to get the most out of running backs. I think he is similar in some ways in his game um, to running backs in the in the past on my beloved birds like Shady McCoy. Um, and so I just really think that he is going to have – he's going to make a big jump this year. There are several guys ahead of him that I just think that he will, will outperform – um, Miles Sanders being one. I don't think Damian Pierce has shown anything. I'm very down on James Conner. These are all fifth round guys, and now we're talking about the seventh. So yeah. I'm, 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 I think Isaiah is a league winning sleeper that can make the difference on your team if you're lucky enough to hit that lottery ticket. Wow. I, yeah. I, I really like the conviction in all the busts and the sleepers. <laughs> A lot of passion. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, and um, I really don't have a rebuttal. So okay. I, I took those notes down and um, off we go to the eighth round. Well done. Good, sir. So off to the eighth round and we are flying by here. So I'm going to be naming uh, players drafted 80 and then going down to 71. So at 80, we got Traylon Burks, Tennessee wide receiver. G.K. Dobbins, Dalvin Cook. He was a free agent during this draft at RB28. Jackson Smith, Jigba, Seattle Seahawks wide receiver, 37. Their rookie, Brandon Cooks, Dallas wide receiver. Let's go. Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver, 35. Michael Pittman Jr., George Pickens, Javante Williams, and Christian Kirk at 71. And so before you steal my thunder and uh, as a revenge tactic here, I'm going to give everybody my sleeper pick of this episode here in round eight. And that is Christian Kirk, my friends at wide receiver 32 Christian Kirk was number 11 and wide receiver production last year with nine touchdowns. I think that, uh, excuse me, eight touchdowns. I think that he only does better with another, in another year in the system. I believe Trevor Lawrence is going to have an amazing, amazing year. Uh, Yes. They, they brought on Calvin Ridley, but I, I think that, you know he's still gonna have to get reacclimated. Not a whole lot of chemistry. Um, so Christian Kirk is my sleeper. Uh, so if if he's and at eleven, he was so he was eleven in production last year. I think he is easily in the top twenty in production this year. And I will tell you now, if you're in a draft, if you're going into a draft, look at who the champion. Who look at the teams that were in the championship last season, and if one of them had Christian Kirk, I'm telling you, you these championship rounds, these guys fall in love and get attached to the players that carried them. He's gonna go early. So throw, letting everybody know right now, that's just what that's just how it works. My response to that is, "Amen, brother Aaron." <laughs> Preach on. I think there are a lot of people who owe Christian Kirk a big, fat public apology. I mean, he got ragged on for the contract he signed. 
The contract that the Jaguars offered him, what all he had to do was put his name on it. He got busted up for that, and he was everything that that contract paid for and more. And I, I, amen. I'm with you a hundred percent. I think another guy that I really like here that I think is going to make a big leap, and I think is very similar to Kirk, right? Because you're you're talking about Calvin Ridley coming in. I think that that can only serve to help Kirk, right? He'll mm-hmm. see less oh, double teams. He'll see less double teams. Evan Engram will see less double teams. I, they'll be able to spread the ball around more. I think you're absolutely right that his production goes up, and I think you can say the same for Brandon Ayuk. Now, not because he's he's got a new guy. Debo's been there forever, but I just think Debo's going to keep getting better and better and better, and they're going to keep figuring out ways to use him, and they've got a full camp of Christian McCaffrey under their belt as a weapon. They still have George Kittle. I think Brandon Ayuk is going to be one of those guys who – Maybe he doesn't catch 100 balls. Maybe he catches 70 balls, but he scores 10 touchdowns. I mean, he is just going to be a deep threat scoring machine. I got a feeling about him. And then the other guy that I really like there is the rookie in Seattle. I think that I'm a Geno Smith believer after a year. I think there's a whole lot of people that that owe Geno Smith an apology. I think that guy stepped up big time, and I think that that – offense is going to be dynamic it's young it's hungry and I so I really like the rookie Jackson there as well those are the things that stick out for me and of course I think Brandon Cooks is like wide receiver 96 so that's fine <laughs> that's a total lie on the lie detector test that we have <laughs> right here in front of us uh so Brandon Cooks hey he's gonna be he's a walking 1000 yard wide receiver he's at 36 on here He's definitely definitely going to be top twenty five at least. Um, I you know a couple you know forty five plus yard touchdown passes. Uh, he still has his wheels. Now, question for you here: Now that we know Dalvin Cook is with the New York Jets, does that mean his value goes up or down from RB twenty eight? Mm. Well, that's actually a very topical question, sir, because uh, I, in my dynasty league, our keepers are due in just a little bit. I'm not going to give the time because then that's going to date our podcast. But let's just say when you're listening to this podcast, imagine that in about 90 minutes, my keepers are due. And I'm trying to decide if I want to keep Brees Hall. And I think that that is directly tied to Dalvin Cook. I think that Dalvin Cook still has a lot of good years left in him. I'm very interested to see how they handle the the, the carry share there. Um, I think that's a concern. I do think that it hurts Hall's value. I think that Cook is probably appropriately valued only because he's probably going to be the shorter end of the timeshare. And also, he's still a little bit of an unknown. Um, so, yeah, I think that that is a really interesting situation. But I got to go back to Brandon Cooks. Here's the reason why I do love Brandon Cooks. Okay. All kidding aside. This is a PPR league. A lot of people are in PPR leagues. He is a volume receiver. All right. I used to have an mm-hmm. office across from Greg Cosell, who is one of the great, you know, X's and O guys in, fo- in all of football broadcasting. And, you know, he used to say that all the time is he loved volume guys. And Cooks is going to see a lot of targets. He's going to see a lot of short passes. To your point, if your lead rewards for long touchdowns, 30-plus, 40-plus, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to get you a lot of that. So all kidding aside, I do really like him in this spot. 
Um, I think he's in a pretty good place. Could he be a little higher? Sure. Could he be a little lower and be a steal? Definitely. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked if he finishes as a top 15 wide receiver because one can argue that he hasn't had someone like Dak throw at him for a couple years. Right. Um, and not to mention have had complementary players on the same side of the ball. So to keep an eye out on Mr. Cooks. Now we're cooking. It was a good move by the Cowboys. I will give you that. In in real football, it was an excellent personnel move by them to bring a guy like that in for sure. All right, what do we got? Round nine now? Round nine, two, two rounds left. Okay. Um, I will kick it off. Uh, at number 90 is Michael Thomas. Definitely some things we could say about him. Uh, Jacoby Myers at 89. David Montgomery running back for the Lions now, moving uh, across the division to Detroit. DeAndre Swift returning home to Philly. What's up, St. Joe's Prep? If you are in Philadelphia listening to this, um, a lot of prep love out there for him and his dad, who is super swole. You ever see pictures of his dad, Aaron? I have not. Oh, my God. He is Hercules incarnate. <laughs> um, we got Dallas Goddard, tight end number seven at 86. Uh, Jahan Dotson at 85, Washington receiver, Rashad Penny uh, in Philly, running back 30. I think that's a fascinating conversation, that backfield in general. Uh, the rookie, Jordan Addison, Minnesota wide receiver at 83. And then two quarterbacks at 82 and 81, Trevor Lawrence, QB9, and Deshaun Watson, QB8. So I'm going to toss it right to you. Thoughts on that so I can come over the top with my Eagles talk, <laughs> baby, since we got three of them in this round. Okay, okay. So first off, Jason Kent has his sleeper in this round. And of course he would pick a Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, DeAndre Swift is Jason's sleeper. I think he might be prisoner of the moment because he looked really sharp against uh, the couple touches that he had against the Browns. But to your point, he is a local and playing for your local team just seems to give players an extra little spark in their play. Uh, so I have no problem with that. Uh, what I will say is between Richard Penny and DeAndre Swift, no matter how you look at it, I think the best case scenario is that one of them, or maybe both, match what Miles Sanders did last year. That's my prediction. I think that's the best you can hope for when you pick up one of these players. Uh, with that being said, I am, uh, you know, I'm not surprised to, but, you know, scratching my, you know, my head a little bit with Watson over Trevor Lawrence. And to me, it is close. Now, Browns, we talked about top three offensive line in the league. Mm -hmm. I just have a little bit more faith in Doug Peterson um, doing the play calling in his schemes to help a quarterback out. And also, you know, sometimes I do think about this. I'm more so for kickers, but the weather. You know, in Jacksonville, mm. you're you're going to get a lot of, you know, half of your games are going to be in the 80s in perfect conditions, whereas Browns, Northeast, you know, very windy or, uh, yeah, northern parts of the states, you get windy games, you get cold, very cold games. It's harder to throw. Uh, so that would probably be my my 
deal breaker between the two because it's fairly, fairly close. Um, and then, so let's see what, uh, oh, and, you know, Michael Thomas, um, I don't know how anyone can have any faith in his ability to come back and make a statement. Now, will uh, Derek Carr have, you know, uh, be a, a positive to that situation? Possibly. Uh, but for me, I've never really been on the Michael Thomas wagon. I've never had, I've never owned him uh, or had him on my team. Just something that, you know, he, he's just not a speedy guy, but the, I know, I know uh, owners that have loved to draft him. He's just not my cup of tea. Yep. What do you got? Well, <clears throat> I'll start off on the, on the Watson Lawrence debate. I think you make a really good point about the weather. Um, I think that when it does get colder, colder and it is windier, it is harder to throw the ball. I think they do run more. I think they already have a great offensive line. Um, I think what's likely going on here is just personal taste, honestly, because yeah. you, like you said, Browns are a top three offensive line going into training camp this season, uh, according to, to PFF, who ranks the Jaguars 26th. So, you know, it could be more of the same for for Trevor in terms of not having enough time, not getting the protection he needs. Um, I do think that having – or, excuse me, adding Calvin Ridley will help that. I do think a year of a healthy Travis Etienne will help that. But uh, I think it's really a personal taste. Um, and I'm a uh, – if in my personal taste, I like Trevor Lawrence. I just think he's a more dynamic quarterback – and just frankly easier to root for if you're a fantasy owner. So um, that's how I feel about that. Um, I think when it comes to the Philadelphia running situation, here's what I'm going to say. And um, I know that we've got listeners all over the place geographically, but if you are here in Philadelphia, you might have heard this buzz recently. And that is that neither one of these guys will be RB1 for the Philadelphia Eagles. Neither one of these guys will lead the team in rushing and or all-purpose yards. Um, the sleeper here, since he's not going to be in the top 10, and I couldn't select him as a sleeper because we'll never get to his round, but the guy that I love here is Kenneth Gainwell. And look, he's small. There's no doubt about it. But if he's work done, do you care? Right? So just look out for that. I'd be really careful as a fantasy drafter to, to choose a horse in that race until you have to let some other people take chances on Deandre Swift in the ninth. Let some other people take chances on Rashad Penny in the ninth. You go get Kenneth Gainwell on the 11th or 12th. And he might be the guy that ends up being the guy. So that's, that is the first thing that jumps out to me or the, the, the thing that jumps out to me about round nine for sure. Fun okay. round though. Some really fun mm -hmm. players in there. Um, some guys that could be real. Jordan Addison could be terrific. I mean, oh boy, go out and get Kirk Cousins another weapon, right? Kirk Cousins, who's a guy who statistically is top 10 every year and fantasy-wise is going 20. You know, it just, it's every year he just is consistent. So that offense, I just think is going to be terrific. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy who who's going to reach for Jordan Addison for sure. Now, not for nothing, but I just did a quick search because I think this can sometimes be relevant just as we've done other searches that such as top 10 offenses. I searched 
the NFL team that has the easiest schedule. Mm. Give it to me. The New Orleans Saints. Okay. Okay. So that that might make me think twice about uh, Kamara or Olave or even Derek Carr mm-hmm. as my second QB. Um, might have some, might be something I keep in my back pocket. Uh, yeah, one just, of my leagues is the two quarterback league. Derek Carr is a, is a very solid second QB in the QB twenty something range, right? Absolutely, mm-hmm, good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, not for nothing, some there could be something there. I love it. All right, so to wrap it up here in round ten, we have at one hundred. Odell Beckham Jr. makes the top 100 cut here at, at uh, wide receiver 45, followed by Cortland Sutton, Gabe Davis, Dalton Kincaid, tight end eight, Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson Jr., Dak Prescott, QB 10, Jamal Williams, Samaje Perrine, Denver, RB34, and A.J. Dillon, Green Bay Packers. We've brought up his name before. Uh, Jason seems to think that he is closer than most think when it comes to between him and Aaron Jones. So round 10, um, not the whole – I don't have too much here. What, what do you – so I'll let you go, Rob, because I don't have that much thunder. <laughs> well, I'm long-winded, so I'll just talk long enough for you to come up with something, right? All right. Uh, no, look, I mean, yeah, I think you're absolutely right against a- about A.J. Dillon. I think that um, he is a guy that is one nick away from being a dominant running back in this league. I think he has all the traits. I think the Packers, because of the Packers and and they do things the right way, probably gave him a little bit of a of a you know an appreciation contract. Um but I think that A.J. Dillon should be the starter here, and I think in a lot of places he will be. Uh, the guy, the, the two guys that stand out for me here um, are Samaje Perrine and Brian Robinson Jr. I think we'll start with the latter. Brian Robinson had a lot of hype coming in last year before the unfortunate incidents that led to him being injured. Um, and I think that when he did come back, he was effective. I think he's a more dynamic player than Antonio Um, for people who are on that uh, turn, you know, they're on that turn in the snake draft, you know, say your, your 10, your picks 10 and 11 or, you know, or, or 12 and 13, if you're in a 12 person league, um, you know, there's a chance that you, maybe you take both of the commanders guys on the wraparound. I mean, they're both good value here. Um, There's something to be said for just taking both of them and, in a mock I just did, that's what I did. And so I think I like both of those players. I think I like Robinson a little bit more. Um, but the guy that stands out for me is Samaje Perrine. I, I think he was really effective in his time in Cincinnati um, this past year um, when Mixon was hurt and was dealing with some other off-the-field things. Um, I think he's a pretty underrated guy. Um, I think, funny enough, he could have the kind of season – that Jamal Williams, number 93, right below him, had last year, subbing in for an injured DeAndre Swift and being really effective for four and five game spurts. 
Um, look, Perrine, can he carry the load for 17 games? There's no way. I just don't think that he physically could do it. I think he wore down last year in, in, in spot duty. But I think, you know, five, six games at a shot in relief, you know, maybe round 10 is a little bit early for that kind of guy. But don't be surprised if Samaje Perrine has a really, really solid, better than running back 34 um, performance this year. Now, look, he's got a he's got a position battle with Javante Williams, who was a really good player before he got hurt. Javante had a pretty serious injury that not everybody comes back from. Um, so, you know, there's some questions there, but look at Sean Payton. And, we you know, we talked about Sean in the last podcast in part one of this. Please go yeah. check that out, all right? And all the places you can get podcasts, check out the section or part one, please. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that that's a guy that could really step up this year. The guy that I don't like, and I didn't like all the hype around him last year, and I didn't see it last year, and I just don't see again this year is Gabe Davis. I just don't mm. know what he what he is. Is he a poor man's Mike Evans? Is he a, <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to think, is he a slower version of DK? Like I just, you know, I'm not really sure what he is as a player. Um, and so I yeah. think that's a, there's guys that, I, that that come after him. I'd rather take a chance on. So I, you know, again, you know, how I feel about Baltimore. I'm happy that Odell landed somewhere. I wish him all the best. I could just really give a rat's about what happens with him. I think he's going to be whatever he, whatever he's going to be. That's great. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Now, uh, you went over a lot there. So for I would say for the Commanders, Robinson and Gibson, I really don't know their physical attributes uh, off memory or, or much of that. But I would say whichever one is more athletic of the two, be enemy is a kind of a sideline, a sideline guy, not so much of a north and south, right? With the Andy Reid offense, he's going to spread everybody out. I think he's going to lean towards the guy that that's more athletic. Uh, just my two cents there. Gabe Davis, I did pick him up and I was like jumping up and down when I picked him up last year. I drop him by like week four or five and he had a breakout game, almost 200 yards and like two touchdowns as soon as I dropped him. But so Gabe Davis, a lot of uh, or very few highs and more lows. So uh, unless Stefan Diggs gets nicked up, I I would probably avoid – well, I would definitely avoid uh, picking up Gabe Davis. Now, in a lot of our uh, pre-draft analysis, we were back and forth as to the Cowboys were taking a, a defensive tackle or a tight end. Bills move up, jump ahead of the Cowboys to pick up Dalton Kincaid, very athletic tight end. Now, Knox finished – tight end 14 last year and i think kincaid the more athletic guy is going to get a lot of reps i think he has an outside shot of making top 15 uh with josh allen this year so if you're looking if you have if you end up taking a tight end picking up your first tight end late uh dalton kincaid he's tight end number eight on here in round 10 that that's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. So something I would keep on everyone's short list. And, you know, Dakota Prescott at QB10, you know, he's your conventional guy. I, I feel like 
He's probably he's going to run a little bit more this year. I think he has a chip on his shoulder with all the interceptions talk. And I'll say it, I've said it before and I'll say it again. We're replacing Noah Brown, who's reportedly wide receiver four or five now on the Texans with Brandon Cooks. That alone should tell you Dak is going to have and just, you know, the the sky is the limit. Um, in fact, I will I plan and intend to make an a bet a bet with Jason around Dak being a top two in the conversation for MVP this year. All right, so more to come on that. And Wait, hang on. I think we just need to let that one hang in the air for a second. <laughs> hang on. You don't bury the lead here. <laughs> first of all, you threw me off when you used this full first name. I'm like to co- oh, oh, okay, I get it. And second of all. Let's just make sure everybody heard that right. You think Dak is going to be in the MVP conversation? Yes. I don't think you're crazy. I don't think you're crazy. I don't think he's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Okay. So maybe they're one, two. But (laughs) uh, no, look, I think you're right there. I think the the thing that I really like about what the Cowboys did in adding Cooks, I, I also, and again, this is not to bash Zeke by any stretch, uh, but I do think that there is a little bit of addition by subtraction there. I think mm-hmm. that when you have such a mega star and you have someone who has been so good for so long and meant a ton to your franchise, let's be very honest. He carried, he carried this star well for a lot of years. Yes. And, and so I think, you know, again, it's kind of like Aaron Jones a little bit where maybe they hung on them a little too long out of loyalty I think that the subtraction of Zeke from the game plan, needing to get him 15 or 20 touches a game, only having, you know, not that a limited playbook, but maybe less limited than things that you can do with Tony Pollard. I think that that's going to be a huge bump for the Cowboys offense. And I do also think, boy, there's a lot of variance in the tight ends here at the back half of it, right? You figure 10-team league, 12-team league, you know, most people are going to draft one tight end. Not a whole lot of people draft a second. That's a strategy conversation for another time. But I don't hate your boy Dalton Schultz either. I really don't. He's another guy that's a volume guy. I'd have to go back and look at how many targets he got last year. But I feel like I remember looking at that in the middle of the year when he was a free agent. And I was considering picking him up. And that guy gets a lot of targets. So, you know, again, if you don't want to draft a rookie, you don't love any of these other guys, you don't want to draft a stealer, you know, because Fryermuth is the next tight end off the board, you know, definitely consider maybe my favorite cowboy of all of them we've discussed, Dalton Schultz. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because Dalton, and I don't know if that's a jab, but Dalton Schultz is it's now, not, it's now he's now with the Texans. No, what? Yes. Oh, wow. So. I just destroyed all of my credibility <laughs> in one swing there. Is he really? He's with the Texans now. So, Jake Ferguson. Why'd you guys let him go? Uh, contract negotiations. He uh. became a free agent. We didn't tag him. He turned down a multi year deal and mm. he ends up with a one year, $9 million deal with the Texans. There was no market for him. He's going to stink with a rookie throwing to him. Forget everything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> take the first yeah. 53 minutes of this podcast and just delete the last two minutes i do re- did really like him as a player but boy mm-hmm. code of prescott to whatever hot mess they're throwing out in houston is a huge downgrade for that guy so well 
um, okay, so let me ask you this at risk of you injuring your credibility again. Mm. Will will Jalen Hurts throw more touchdowns than Dak Prescott, assuming they play the same amount of games this year? Will Jalen Hurts throw more touchdowns than Dak Prescott? Uh, I honestly think the answer to that is no. I, I think that he'll have more rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, I think that the Eagles offense, whatever that three-headed running back monster looks like, will probably run for more touchdowns than Tony Pollard. But Tony's going to catch a bunch of touchdowns. I mean, I could see Tony being like an eight touchdown rushing, five, six touchdowns receiving kind of guy this year. Um, so, yeah, I think that I think that Dak's going to pass for more touchdowns. If you said who's going to score more total touchdowns, oof, that's going to be a, that's a coin flip, man. That's a coin flip. That's why we do it, right? Because nobody knows. Well, and the reason why I I asked that and point that out is because they are different quarterbacks. Yeah, Jalen is more of a running quarterback, so it's going to be really annoying comparing them for the next five or so years, maybe hopefully seven, eight years, but it's going to be really annoying. Uh, for that reason, uh, Dak is the pocket passer guy, and he's a he's a run second or third. I mean, he's likely more to throw it away. Uh, whereas Jalen, you know, he turns on the wheels. Some would say pretty early. Uh, maybe he, maybe maybe he matures a little bit more this mm-hmm. year. But he's also the benefactor uh, of the uh, of the strong offensive line. Uh, so let me let me ask you this, and then I'll I'll close this out. So, do you think? Uh, so we got this season. Do you think Nick Sirianni is still here three seasons from now? Mm. Mm. I think that yes, I think Nick Sirianni is here three seasons from now. Not. I think, look, I think Nick's a, a very good coach and I think he'll deserve to be here. I think part of it will also be that Jeffrey has always been pretty loyal and stuck with people. Jerry's kind of the same way. You know, he'll, he's yeah. stuck with Garrett probably maybe a few more years than he should. Um, you know, so I think, I think there's some, some ownership loyalty there that will probably get him over the hump. Um, but I think he's a good coach. I, I really do. I think he's a good coach. I think he's only going to get better. Um, he's only going to get more experience. I mean, look, it, it's all about reps. We know that. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times with these young coaches, they just got to get reps under their belt. You know, that's why I'm interested to see what McDaniels can really do in, in, in Las Vegas. You know, can he make a jump as a coach? Um, I think that's going to be a huge thing for him. You know, whereas, you know, Sean Payton's at the other end of his spectrum here he's you know he wants to make one more good run you know so yeah i think uh i think nick will still be there do i think mike mccarthy's going to be there in three years absolutely not not a chance in hades no do you he's, think he's going to be there in three years no because he's on the hot seat every year until either he gets ran out or they get a championship he's going to be on the hot seat now with Sirianni, the reason why I ask that question is I, I rub shoulders with some Eagles fans that think he's a below average coach that has been the benefactor of a very talented team. But I hate to admit, 
you know, they had some close games last year with the Cardinals, with the Colts, and they squeeze out those games on top. Uh, some there was some of their wins didn't look pretty, but at the end of the day, they got the job done. And you can't really, you know, you can't really harp on a coach for doing well with a talented team because it's still a hard job. You still have to perform at the end of the day. You still have to get them ready uh, to go out there and compete. So I, I do want to see, you know, how he does this year. It could have been, it, you know, it could have been a one of the, a fluke year. We don't know. The sample size is just not big enough. And also part of everything we discussed today in the fantasy draft, it does take some luck, mm-hmm. right? At the end of the day, whether there's there's always that that midseason drop and pick up, you know, injuries, uh, coaching. Um, you can do all the research, but at the end of the day, you do need a little bit of lady luck to to fall on your lap. And any final comments, Rob, before we wrap us up? Well, I have I do have one last time honored question for you before we wrap it up. All right. Because this is, after all, the Cowboys podcast <laughs> respect. Okay. My question to you is this. This is a, this is this is asked at water coolers all over the country this time of year. How far does Mike McCarthy have to go to keep his job? Is it the just has to make the playoffs? Is it, a, is it a conference championship? Does he need to make it to the Super Bowl? You know, a lot of times we ask that of these head coaches that are really struggling to get over the hump with a talented team. What do you think? I think it's at minimum the NFC championship game. Huh. And if and then it depends how that game goes. If the team is unprepared, he's out. If it comes down to a kicker that Jerry Jones was cheap on and didn't want to sign, <laughs> he deserves to stay. Uh, so it depends how he goes, but ultimately um, he needs to get to the NFC championship game. Now, if by week seven, Dak is out for the season, that might buy him an extra year. But uh, But outside of that, yeah, his the team is is too good, and I think Jerry Jones would be too much inclined to want to keep uh, DQ and potentially keep him from going somewhere else, offering him the head coaching job to keep that unit in sync and together, and then bring in an, an offensive coordinator. Absolutely, and DQ is a guy who second opportunity is another one of those guys who could be a special coach with another chance. Yeah, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Well, great. This has been terrific, man. Thank you so much for having me. I just really love talking the game with you, man. It's We miss Jay, there's no doubt. Yes. He's definitely a little bit of a poor one out for him tonight. But, um, you know, I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for having me on. All the best of luck with the podcast. I hope you just keep growing it and growing it and growing it. We know there's a lot of Cowboys fans in this area. And so just keep doing your thing, man. This has been, this has been terrific. Thank you for having me. Awesome, Rob. I uh, appreciate the kind words, you know, obviously think highly of you as a, as a person, as a friend, um, and uh, as a, as, as a fan of football and your, your IQ uh, just really appreciate all of that and the love and support. Uh, I want to thank everyone listening. Uh, give us a rating. 
follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. Jason and I will be coming out with our feedback on preseason game two. Uh, We're planning to get that out by Thursday, so you'll have it ready for your commute on Friday morning. God bless everybody. Aaron James, Cowboys take over, and we're out.